Golight presents Murder Most Irish. Pennies are doing a Keith yeah, Haring. Yeah, I got to- What? I got toasted. I was like, what the fuck's going on? His family sold him out. Of course they did. Um, Get out! <laughs> <laughs> I, bought, I bought the baseball cap because yeah. I saw an episode in, in a league of their own TV show. Please watch it. It's excellent. And there's an episode where she's wearing like a navy boiler suit and a pair of um, court shoes and a baseball cap. And I was like, I love this outfit. Who's wearing it? Uh, Abby's character. Oh! Yeah. So I was like, I fucking love this outfit. So I went and I was like, I'm going to get a baseball cap. And Flavie was like, have you fucking banged your head? Like, why are you buying a baseball cap? And I was like, I want to just try it. So I bought one. I bought three. So of course I, I bought that in red and black and I gave the black to Colin. And I was like, and I bought this white one. But I don't know. I like this white one. I don't know if I'm a baseball cap What person. was your hair in the baseball cap? It's like big curls. Like w- big wavy curls. And they're like sticking out. Yeah. So she's just got the baseball cap kind of sitting. So is it sitting like that? Like that. And then the, she's got big Sorry, wavy curls. I like the way we're like, like that. Visually, I've pushed you can't it see back. this. Um, take a picture. Yeah. But yeah, she's got her, her, her hair like that. And I was like, I want to. I don't know how you get this. I love head. this outfit. Um, so yeah. Let me know when you're ready. She's ready. She's ready. Um, but yeah, so that's what I wanted to do. So that's why I bought baseball, baseball, oh. baseball caps. But it's not like me to buy. I've never. This is the first purchase of a baseball cap I have ever made. What did you get in the Crusoe? Oh, uh, Flavio got. I just said I like the bag. He got. He made compound butter, so he got like a butter what did dish he make thing for himself. Yeah, he oh. made like garlic butter himself. So he got this like dish thing in the Crusoe. Ah, oh. overpriced. Yeah, he loves the butter. Massively overpriced. Yeah, like, but leave him alone. Just, I was like. Leave him be. But then he gave me the little bag. So I was like, I love this little bag. Oh. Am I ever going to use it? Probably not. No. Hello, everybody. We're back. We're back. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back. We've back been gone for three weeks. Three weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. I think technically it's three weeks, but like it'll be two weeks to these guys because we double record. Yes. So thank you for your patience. What do you mean our patience? We've been on holidays. People were very nice, and they were like. Have a great time. Enjoy that. Patience, we hope. Uh, so Graham said to me yesterday, Graham said, uh, I picked him up and he was like, are you recording? And I was like, no. And he was like, uh, so are people just going to be happy with like that? And I just went to him, happy with what? A free podcast? <laughs> and then I went, what are we going to do? Quit? And he was like, oh. And I was like, that, you know that guy on the internet who's like, I'll just quit. And yeah, the Ikea guy. I was like, what am I going to do? Just quit? <laughs> Graham is a consumer. He is a consumer of the podcast. Graham is a consumer of the and podcast. And he does so listen to the podcast You get that he's week. like, I don't understand why this isn't on now. And he's he, very like regimented and rule oriented. Yeah, so. but I don't, like, I'm his wife. <laughs> and he'll go, is there an episode uh, this week? Where's the episode, bitch? He'll be like, is there an episode this week? And I'm like, I've been with you for seven yeah, days Clearly in there Spain. is not an episode. No. Sarah went to Spain and got the worst ear infection I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, but Jesus Christ! I was like, this could only happen. Oh, I was like, like, there's no way this is gonna not this is gonna go off without a hitch. Yeah, something's coming. I was like, like I think we're a weekend, right? Yeah. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Colin all of the footage from the holiday. Okay, and he can make a vlog. That's a good idea. It's the first seven oh days. 
It's just me jumping into pills. And then being like, I wonder what happened in my ear. And then on the like seventh day after the water park, so the, the night after the water park, I was sitting with like an area like outside under like a canopy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I was like, if... now the next thing I'm going to say, don't come for me. I was sticking a hairpin in my ear. Why? Because like, like it was itchy. Okay. And I couldn't get to the itch. So and I was like, that's what was starting. And I was like, I don't want to stick an earbud in because I don't want to like push, push any the earwax in. in. Yeah. So I was like, an ear, a hairpin is like yeah. thin enough and it's got that loop, right? That was my thought process. And I was like, oh man, my ear is hurting me. And that's what I said to her. And she was like, okay. And then I went into the bedroom and I was like, at it. And like this stuff came out of it. And I just said, I caught my mom and I was like, mom, I'm, I need you to smell this. Was it like, was it part of, was it like the infection breaking or coming out of your ears? Pretty much, but like my ear at this point hadn't like, I had no pain. There was no pain. I had nothing. And the only thing that came out of my ear was like, like water. Like dirty water. Was it from the pool? Was it blocked in there? So the thing about swimmer's ear is that's exactly what you get. So I had a thing called... It's like stagnant water then in the back It's stagnant water that can't get out. And when I obviously disturbed it, it like... It didn't burn, like it was already, it was, it was going to happen. Regardless of what way, happened, it yeah. was going to happen. But thankfully I got the water out, which the lady in the hospital was like, that's a good, good thing. And so then the next morning I woke up and my entire head. Yeah, you were bad. Like I looked like slot from the Goonies. When you sent me that picture, I was like, you, this, like whatever side of your head it was. You can't see my ear. can't see your ear. No, I'm so like, swollen. it's completely swollen. So like, and then they were really worried, right? So one of the worst things about like, it's called otitis externa. Right. Which is like, just like the doctor's word for swimmer's ear because of the way the infection is in your ear if it goes into like your jaw like it's near impossible to get rid of because you have to treat it with topical antibiotics oh so you can't get in there so like like uh oral antibiotics, oral antibiotics just don't do anything so i went to oh, that day i texted you and i was like well, i'm gonna go to like the local pharmacy yeah 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 went to the local pharmacy and they were lovely and she was like use this eardrop and it was an, a topical antibiotic eardrop and then she was like give me like over the counter 600 milligrams ibuprofen yeah people are I tell you something for nothing when you're in other countries do you know how much cost me? me what so for my ibuprofen and my antibiotic eardrop it cost me 7 euro Fuck 7 Ireland. euro Seriously. and I didn't have to see a GP anyway but it just the next day it got Picked it in. got like dramatically worse and the picture actually I sent to you is the next day yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. the like second day yeah, and I've yeah, just yeah. gotten like really swollen and worse so I looked for like a local GP but like local GP is uh, Spain is weird you have to be it's not weird it's just you have to be registered and they won't see any like walk-ins so then I had to look for a walk-in and I had to like found this company that specialised in like finding walk-in doctors for like foreign people dirty foreigners yeah and they were like I had to pay them 200 euro everything is so expensive and then I went to like to be fair Ugh. I paid 200 euro I went to a private hospital in Alicante like they were like super helpful it was phenomenal how fast I was in and out of their they A&E section you, yeah. like their A&E section and by the way this private hospital even though it was private had a public A&E system. That's amazing. And um, I was in and out of their A&E system in like 37 minutes. That's amazing. With like a full doctor inspection. Your like medication. Medication. And then she was like, you probably, like you need to come back on Friday. And if that hasn't, if that doesn't get any better, you cannot fly. You can't fly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> anyway, all in all, and then the weirdest thing about that stuff, about that infection in itself is it's like fucking hell on earth for like three days. And you feel like you are never going to get better. 
and then like after the third or fourth day of taking the treatment it's it like stops. it doesn't stop but it's like you're in so much pain that it's like fourth <laughs> day is like oh my god thank god a little bit of relief yeah like, you're like oh my god I'm back to being like me again there is nothing worse than tooth and ear pain oh. like it is you can't function as a person when you have either of those things. Like, mm. it's horrendous. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm going to an audiologist okay. to see about, like, if I can get my ear... You have to get something done. I have you have to get them. something done. Um, like, it's, so it's I, when I came now. home, I was like, I need... I, one, I need to get them cleaned, because then, like, when I did get home... What? The the Mikey? Emma, I... Was, oh, I would have loved it. I said to Graham, Emma would love it. I would have loved like, it. It wasn't... It was like... It was like white. It was like big, it was like, honestly, it was like compacted white tissue, but it was all like dried infection in my ear. And how are you now? Like, how are you today? I still have like, so I don't know, Graham can hear it when I do, if he gets really close to me. Well, yeah, I can hear that. Oh, I can hear that. Can you hear that? Yes. So that's my ear like trying to push, I can't get it to clear. So when I blow air through it, it like is trying really des- like desperately bubbling almost. to like yeah and I keep hearing that in my ear he's gonna fucking flip when he hears this <laughs> he's gonna say you dirty bastard that's exactly what he's gonna say to me is it rotten it's rotten I can't wait again. To hear. do it again yeah, do, do it again, again do it again like I can actually hear your ear that's crazy that's insane yeah I can hear it going that's weird he is gonna fucking flip out <laughs> enjoy that Colin do you wanna hear the other one yeah go on the other one didn't have an infection, but I just have shit ears. Go on. Oh, I can hear that one too. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's so weird. It's like it's, um, like uh, there's water in there and it's like bubbling. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So I kind of feel like a little bit like I'm underwater, but the audiologist, when I went through like my history was like, actually, I think you just have a problem with your eustachian tube and I don't think you can actually clear the fluid in your inner ear. So what can, is it operation? Um, when I had grommets as a kid, so she was like potentially like adult grommets. Adult grommets. But they come with like loads of like things that you can't do. Like, and I know I don't go swimming all the time, but I do go swimming and I like paddleboarding oh, no, and do. I yeah, like being yeah, in the water yeah. and all the rest. I know they're like tiny problems, but like. No, but like your ears, man, you have to get something done with this. It's the same thing with Colin's nose and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and she was like, your chronic. travel sickness is just all related it's to It's all related to that. Yeah. Like. Anyway, that's the, that's the another shitty listen, body adventures of Sarah Jane. In bits, lads. I was, I was saying to Colin, because I was like, when you were over there, I was like, I said to him, I was like, I think she's avoided anything happening to her. No. Next day. Next. You yeah. jinxed me. I didn't jinx you, but I was like, I just, when you were, I was even thinking when you were get, when you were telling me you were in the pool and stuff, I was like, I hope she's wearing earplugs. I didn't say that because I'm going to be your mom being like, I hope she's wearing earplugs. Yeah, no, I wasn't. And I was like, that's going to yeah. happen. That's yeah, no, now happening. I will wear them all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, um, And then like the last week of the holiday was just like me going, don't get my head wet. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had a really, really nice holiday. Good. And I had a really chill holiday. The only thing, it was very, very, very hot. It was no lower than 35 degrees every day, which meant that we couldn't go to beach because I was just terrified, like, we'd get really hurt. Of course, yeah. From the sun, um, because, like, the beach is windy and you can't feel it. And so I just didn't risk it. We didn't want another Grimo Letty. No, so I didn't go to beach. Um, but we just had such a lovely time. Even the Spain, like, even when I went to the doctor and I had to spend that, like, that time traveling and stuff. The drive was nice. Yeah. And then, like, going to the little places in the town yeah. and around, because we were in, like, Spanish Alicante, and then driving home, it was actually, like, nice. And then they left me alone that night, and I watched... I Now, I don't know if I was just, if it was the drugs, but I watched a new Tomb Raider movie that came out in, like, 2018. Is it good? It is a fucking... 
I sound like Colin Foy, but it the is banger like, of a movie. And I'm starting a fucking uh, what's the word where people sign things to get stuff on the telly? What? You know where you sign a thing like loads of people. Oh, put, TV. Lo- what? Put signatures on it to get a petition. Thanks very much. There you go. I don't know why I you're saying to me. I am starting a petition to get to more get, respect for the 2018 to, to get the new Tomb Raider made. Like I was like on the edge of my Who seat. Who plays Lara Croft? That one that goes out on Michael Fassbender. Is it Lara Croft or Croft? Croft. Croft, Lara Croft. Uh, something, something. Oh, that beautiful lady. Yeah. That, yeah, she's uh, very beautiful. And the ho- like, it was like I was playing the game. Like, there was bits where I was like... I think that might be the drugs, Sarah, now. No, I want to watch saying it again. This. Watch it when you're not on drugs. But there was a bit where she was like, there was like a first person shoot up scene, yeah. which is like in the game. And it was like, so one of the things you do in the game is when you see barrels, you shoot them because they blow up. Yeah. Um, and there was barrels behind him. And, and, like, like, and I was like, shoot the barrels. Like, out loud. Like, in this house in Spain by myself. Shoot the barrels. Because I couldn't hear anything. Yeah. Graham said he could hear the telly, like... Way up. No, he could hear the telly down the road. See, he Sarah, out what everybody. the fuck? And I like obviously all the doors and windows open. I was just sitting there watching this like Tomb Raider movie. Okay, I need to watch the 2018 version of Tomb Raider. I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it again. And I'm drug situation. A uh, speaking I was of on uh, movies, have you seen this Blackbird? No, have you seen this? Don't worry, worry, darling. Drama that's going on. Yes, I am living for this. I know it's very immature, um, but yeah, like I am absolutely invested in this. Don't worry, darling. Drama. I also think a lot of it is created by the tabloids and media and stuff. But still, I don't know if it's all created by because, like, like Florence, even, like she's been proven to have lied. Yeah, and Florence Pugh's stylist put up a picture of Florence Pugh last night at the Venice Film Festival, and the caption was "Miss Flo." Yeah, and then that was what Olivia Wilde called her in that video she made to Shia Love. She's like, "We get Miss Flo back in track or whatever." So clearly, there is something going on. And then she didn't even look at her at the thing, no. and she didn't go for the panel no she was like I was filming and then she just randomly arrived on the panel I was like the drama yeah well that's what happens when you hire someone 10 years younger than him you when you're married and bang him making a movie also that's what happens the like the lack of professionalism no the lack of professionalism and I will say this for any director that does that the lack of that person you are above you are in charge of that person like and you're basically that's clearly where this is all stemming from yeah but Emma I just think the whole Shia LaBeouf thing just shows a level of inauthenticity of being like I was here to protect like she was telling that girl like I'll protect protect you you. and then she was going to him and then she was messaging please do my movie please do my movie even though I know uh, last year you were driving around the streets of LA shooting dogs yeah to uh, to do your new movie about Cholas, right? Yeah, and violently beating your girlfriends, which came out. Right? Yeah, and you and we, I'm going to be come come be in my movie. Yeah, and I'm a feminist, and I'm going to talk about feminism. I'm a feminist. Now, what I don't agree with is Harry Styles fans and what they're doing to that oh, woman. Like they are actively trying to ruin her career. Who will live you out? Yeah. Oh my god! And they're like, it's it's not because she's dating Harry. So, like that shit with. Like the, I just think it's so inappropriate the fact that like she was married to Jason not married with Jason Sudeikis there were pictures of her with Jason Sudeikis on set yeah. when that film started he shooting was, Florence Pugh said that he, he was coming yeah to, to the set. set and that she was aware of what was going, what was going on. on and then she makes me laugh I don't know anything about Olivia Wilde but I do think it's desperately inappropriate how they are actually trying to ruin this woman's career because Harry Styles has a mommy kink like that is his business he can fuck all the women that are 15 20 years older than him what he wants but like 
actively trying to ruin her career like they keep digging up tweets and shit she said in the past and they're like she's a terrible person she's a terrible person like calling her a terrible mother and stuff I'm like y'all need to stop yeah. because that is not fair like I'm in deep with the don't worry darling don't drama don't worry darling I'm gonna go see it as I've been trying to ignore real life so I'm like what's going on with these crazy yeah. people these crazy millionaires who uh, I genuinely do not care about but also I'm very invested in this do we have any housekeeping housekeeping yeah. This week's Patreon has a vlog on it and it's hilarious. It's Colin and it's the funniest thing and you need to watch and it. And what you need to watch is the transition between Colin <laughs> on the first day to Colin on the last day. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, fucking hilarious. And then also I think you should all do a petition to get Colin and Craig to do commentary over their vlog. Please, it's so funny. <laughs> so, here's my housekeeping. We're going to do a special for the episode for the 100th episode of our podcast. And we're going to do a live stream. I didn't agree to this. She did agree to it. A live stream of our episode. And we're going to do it for charity. So we're going to do it for... The charity is Sarah Jane Heffernan. And Emma Marie McCormick. Oh, Titus Exerna. <laughs> uh, she needs to see an audiologist. She'll be deaf by the She's end of the year. She's going to be deaf by the end of the year. So you need to help her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to be for the 100th episode, we hope. We're trying to work out fucking logistics and all that shit. Um, and as I said, it's going to be for charity. So we're looking into giving, helping out homeless charities in Ireland. So that's what we're hoping to do. Yes. Now, will it happen? Stay tuned. It will happen. Uh, I said we could do it in work. Yes. We, oh, okay, cool. Perfect. I actually say that to Colin. We're trying to fix the merch. <laughs> do we need to just get a new merch I provider? have contacted these people. 700 times no I'm found a number I'm calling them tomorrow I don't care it's an American number I'm calling them from work so we're, try, we're trying to fix the merch uh, I also said thank you to everyone for your patience and being so lovely about us being away uh, we really appreciate it thank you so much for all your Instagram messages I, I was talking to loads of people when I was drunk so thank you so much for your Instagram oh, yeah. messages yeah I was like hey what's up I sent a voice message because you weren't drive. talking to me yeah because you're not here she walked off for two weeks nothing wrong with that with your dog yeah but then you went thingy yeah, that's true. Um, also, we're going to the podcast awards. Yay! I'm not going because I can't get anything. She to work. is going to get. Did you? How many? Tra- I, I didn't like any of them. I bought two of them. Which two did you buy? Uh, the black and white ones. Stunning. Because it was only 29 euros. Yeah, stunning. And then there's just this other one that you didn't send me that I liked. Yeah, I saw on the. No, but I, I liked, was like. I liked it, but not for the awards. Uh, but yeah, we're going to the podcast awards, hopefully. Colin said we should do a little vlog when we're there, which is a good idea. That's a good idea. It's I'm going to be idea. locked. Um, I'm going to be locked too I'm going to be fucking I'm just going to get a bottle of Prosecco and get fucked That's what are you going to say if we win we're not going to win yeah but what are you going to say if we did win Um, Uptara 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 I have no idea thanks everyone um, I'd say pre- free all the prisoners in Sam Block H and then just walk off Um, was there anything else I had no that was everything just thank you to everybody um that is being so nice about us being away. Also, I just want to say um, to what's ha- I don't know if everybody's aware, but what happened in Tala the other night? Yeah, lads. Just I know, like I I know that we talk about some terrible, terrible things yeah. on this show, and I know that we always try to do it with like respect and dignity and think about the victims first. And you guys have definitely heard us get like emotional yeah. at times where that can be really difficult for us, but. What's currently what happened in that house mm. and what people saw on that I don't, street? I can't even fathom what happened. I don't understand. Like is absolutely like nothing I've ever heard in no. the history of Irish crime. No, it's horrific, and 
our hearts are absolutely broken for their families like I yeah and like I get that like what happened is absolutely right there are so many words you could say and the words floating around the line are like demonic and evil there is no history in that family of mm. anything like this happening before now the um women's aid centre came out oh very good okay. and we're like for anybody so anybody in these situations that needs help so I don't know if that's like a sign that like maybe there's a history of like violence within that household for this woman yeah because this is her 20 year old son right that did this but there's no like there's video footage going around of him on the night with all of his family drinking and dancing oh okay Um. So take that down immediately yeah no it's insane it's like, on Twitter the, the stuff that's gone around is insane yeah no it's on Twitter and this is the thing about Ireland Ireland is so small and these towns and villages and areas are so tiny and everybody knows everybody so you know immediately shit's gonna start coming out yeah that, and you know. the other thing I will say and this is just more of a, like an Irish thing like this happened in an area called Tala anybody that's from Ireland will have heard of Tala or anybody that's from Dublin will know Tala it's almost like to a degree, it's like my Ross and Limerick. It's almost like this. They expect this shit to happen. They do. There. It is. It's, it's and seen it's as almost like, a like really oh, well, like it's Tala, no. and it's like a no. two, a nine-year-old son and a nine-year-old daughter, and a nineteen-year-old teenage Girl, daughter yeah. have been like murdered, like slaughtered. slaughtered in their own house by their sibling. Yeah. The other thing is these are um settled travellers. Yeah. And we all know that mental health in the Republic of Ireland is like non-existent. Yep. But mental health within the travelling community gone. It doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Not a thing. Yeah. Um. So I think everybody. I'm like, sure uh, there's stuff on the internet that you're just like people are vile and awful, and this whole thing of like oh well it's Tala and like you don't get this how, in Dundrum. How could you say it's Tala? How could you in if there is a, a an inch of a heart inside your body, and then because we're travellers, you, honestly, you make, because yeah, we're from travelling, of course, that's what it's like the do. same outpouring for that man that came home and his wife had killed their children yeah. in Newcastle yeah. does not exist no, for this family. Of course, it doesn't. Of course, it doesn't. It's immediately when I saw that happen in Tala, one of my first thoughts were people are going to absolutely vilify these people and make it out that like it's somehow deserved or expected. Yeah. Um, just for their family I don't going to hear this but I'm just so unbelievably sorry and to the Sunday World journalist and photographer who went out and took pictures of that poor devastated mother who basically looks like she can't hold on anymore Where did they take fuck us? you when there was a vigil outside their house they were like snapping pictures of her that woman I, she is she just lost four of her children because three of them are dead and one is going to prison for the rest of his life yeah and you're out there taking pictures of her. The other son just, uh, is in hospital yeah. as well with severe injuries. He was in the bedroom. He jumped out the window, right? Well, I don't know. I, like, I, the, I, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter like, it is incredibly triggering what yeah, happened. No, I'm not but he jumped it. out the window because he was in the room with the other children. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I don't understand. I can't, I don't, because as you said, we talk about so many horrific, horrendous things on this podcast. But it's like when you hear... A, si- a sibling murdering their three siblings I, I ju- it doesn't make any sense to me and my heart our hearts are just broken for them and I can't begin to imagine what these people are going through and I don't want to imagine it because it's beyond comprehension yeah. at this point um, so yeah just to anybody who's been reading up on this I know I've, I haven't I haven't stopped thinking about it since it happened because I texted you when I was in the co- taxi on the way home from the airport yeah. and the radio was on and he, he the guy turned off the radio as he said it and I was like what the fuck was that 
And then that's why I texted you being like, what the fuck happened in Tala? Yeah, like, I didn't hear anything until you texted yeah, me when I searched it. Yeah. Um, but it's that thing as well. I think I said it in work because obviously, right, it's this, it's this giant news story for Ireland. And it's like on every news cycle, it's the top of RTE. It's, yeah, it's, it's on everywhere. TV. It it's on everywhere. Sky. It's on Sky. It's um, on CNN. And I it's put everywhere. put it as like a tip in work where I was like, please consider compassion and silence. Yeah. Not everybody wants to know this detail no. and not everybody can deal with this exactly like, I was like nobody wants to hear like you realistically you don't want to hear this because it's just my stomach was like in my throat when I read about it I was like I don't and then we see their little pictures oh anyway I don't know I just this isn't the first time this has happened in the traveler community do you remember that other child the other boy killed his brother he killed his two brothers oh I think I do remember that yeah he killed his and they were young they were young um, and he had mental health issues. It's just there's help. Help is needed. Help is needed he so desperately in this country. I think he suicide at the end of it, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. But you did. do, you do hear about like I, I say that I'm shocked about the sibling thing, but obviously there's that family in Cork as well, where the where the father and the brothers, two brothers, all killed each other. So there's that stuff as well. But children, man. they're nine. Children, like I just I can't wrap my head around it. Um, but yeah, we do hope that everybody is is dealing with it best they can, and obviously give yourself a break and don't be reading things if you can't. Uh, try and avoid details because we don't need to know. No, and you don't want to know that. Like it's, I'm, I'm, I text Emma last night or sent her a voicemail saying, "Someone told me. Graham told me." Yeah, I don't want to know. And I don't think he even thought about it. My manager we're signing a bed, and he was like, "Here, did I, did you hear what happened?" And then he, I was like, "No." And then he went into it, and I just went to him. Oh, I, I actually didn't want to know. Yeah, that. I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. I, I don't. I, I can't. It's horrific. Um. Also, to Enoch Burke, yeah. and his entire family. When I tell you, you can suck the highest part of my clitoris. Enoch Duck Burke, for anybody wanting to know, is a school teacher in the Republic of Ireland. School teacher where, from where I'm from, from Multifarnham in Longford. Yeah, that's refusing to call a trans child yeah. by their preferred pronouns yeah. and refusing on the basis of like Catholicism so basically, and his religious beliefs. Yeah, he basically what he did. So the Irish media should be ashamed of themselves as well because instead of actually doing correct journalism, they're going with clickbait articles, which seems to be what we're all doing now. So what they're saying is, a uh, school teacher sent to jail for not using students pronouns correctly that's not what happened but they're doing that because they're getting clickbait articles mm. out of it and they're rising the right now the writer on twitter being like <laughs> basically what happened is Enoch Burke is a teacher in a school St. Winston's Hospital School in Multifarnham I know people that went to that school um, he was asked by the principal and the parents of this child to respect this child was using they they I think they she they I'm not sure pronouns he said no and they have a female name now. Yes. He said no. He was like, I'm not calling a boy a girl. Yeah. So then what he did was, when the teacher was like, like, listen, you have to do this. This the is principal. what you have. Principal. Uh, there was a meeting in the school. Nothing to do with this trans child that has nothing to do with this. And he turned up fucking and blinding out of him and throwing abuse at the principal. He was asked to leave. So he left. He was then put on suspended, suspended with, pay. with pay after this incident. And was told not to come back to the school. He continued to come back, come back to the school, school and sit in an empty classroom. Yeah. So they went to the guards yeah. and they went to a solicitor and they got a high court injunction that was like, you are not allowed in this school. We have told you after your incident at the party, you're not allowed in this school. He broke the high court injunction. And sat in school again. Sat in school again and was put to jail. Yeah. So what the Irish media have done for some fucking reason have spun this to, oh, the wokes. Yeah. We're just putting teachers in jail now. 
So the entire right wing part of this cunt of a country are now on Twitter demonising a trans child who was obviously going through enough in their life. nothing to do with it. And saying, oh, so now we're putting teachers in jail because of pronouns. That's not what happened. Also, if you give a quick Google of Enoch Burke and his shithead family, you'll see exactly why this is going on. This man has written books about why homosexuality is a sin and people are going to hell. Yeah. Um, His family are lunatic right-wing Christians. I'm not even saying that as like a blasé statement. They are... And they're extremist Christians. They're all insane. They're all in the court shouting and screaming at the judge and then wondering why their family member got fucked in jail. Um, I also got a message about 10 minutes ago from a girl that went to NUIG because everybody in NUIG knows them. So I didn't know about these people. And then when this came out, people were like, oh my God, please don't tell me it's them Burks. So they're known for this. She told me. I did me, see someone on TikTok today that was like, when your old geography teacher is in jail for being a cunt. Yeah. And she was saying to me that when they were, when she was in college, he went to become the, like, you know, the student union yeah. leader. And all his, like, things that he put forward were, like, desperately anti-gay, like, homophobic, massively horrible. So they were going to, like, the, the students had a sit-in to stop him getting elected. And thankfully he didn't get elected. But she was like, how he speaks, it's cult talk. He was like, she was like, their family are basically in a cult. Yeah. She was like, most, even other right-wing Christians want nothing to do with them. Because they're like, now that's how you know it's bad. When other right-wing Christians are like, no, no, they've gone too far. So fuck Enoch Burke and fuck the Irish media for what they're currently doing. Because they are doing this on purpose to get more clicks. Yeah. Because they know, and like, I literally read an, an RTE article this morning that was like, uh, school teacher jailed for not using pronouns. I read an RTE Motherfucker, that's not what happened. Yeah. That's not what happened. He can continue to not use that person's pronouns. He can do that till the cows come home. What he can't do is go against a high court injunction. That He cannot do that. You can't do that. I can't do that. Your ass will go to jail. But of course, these uh, Christians probably thought that Jesus was going to come down and open the gates to them and be like, come ahead, you don't have to go to jail. So fuck Enoch Burke. Fuck anybody that's supporting Enoch Burke. And I hope that child is okay. Yeah. And that kid's parents are amazing. Yeah. She'd be like, this is what and the school is too. Imagine just going to the school and being like, hey, listen, this has happened. This is what they want. And some dickhead who looks like the human form of a fucking lizard comes out. He's grotesque, eh? He's so ugly. So that's obviously where a lot of this is stemming from. But like comes out and is like, I'm not calling a girl, a boy, a girl. Dude, shut the fuck and he was up. Like, on the basis of like Christian. On the basis of my Christian. Sorry, where's the thing the Bible on it? Like, fuck you, Enoch. Fuck you. Said in the and your fucking ugly ass family as well. Every single one of you looking. It's literally like your parents just drew you all together. Like, gross. But anyway, sorry for the ranting and the going on. We've, we haven't been here in a while. Yeah. We've been lies. away, lads. Sorry, Colin has to edit this shit. Yeah, sorry. You're very warm. Yeah, I'm sweating. Do you want to get water? That's okay. Alright. It's uh, my story. My lovely antidepressants overheat me all the time. Oh, yeah. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. 
That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon. Featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain. Along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story. Whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show. Murder Most International for those cases you guys have been crying out for. Or even Music Most Awesome where we talk about our favourite albums. But wait, there's even more! How about MMI Drive, the fan-favourite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite. Plus our monthly Ask Me Our segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euros. Anyway, I'm doing the general. Oh, great movie. Great I knew movie. when I said the name, you were like, who the fuck is that? Martin oh. Cahill is the, gen- the, the general. Uh, I love that movie. Great movie. Which one? The general or the one Which with the Kevin one Spacey? With, no, what's the one with that? Uh, what's his name? Brendan Leeson. Irish MacIrish. Brendan yeah. yeah, that one. Uh, the general. Have you saw, oh, just one uh, before I interrupt you, there's a video, I don't know, it must be from a sketch show or something, and it's uh, Donald Leeson's in the sketch. Oh, it's the taxi man one! <laughs> well, I tell you, I couldn't breathe watching it. It's so good. Oh my God. I like Donald Leeson. Me? A great I know your husband has beef with yeah, Donald Leeson over a fucking burrito, but yeah, like, not like wrong. Donald Leeson. It was burnt. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, sorry, anyway. Alright, this week I'm gonna do... It's kind of like a biography, right? Of the old general. Of the general. Good man. Good man, um, Martin Carr. Actually, no, not good man, Martin Carr. I'll take that back. I'm, I, I've, I, I've no beef either way. Oh, you will at the end of it. I don't know if his people are listening to this. Ah, uh, no. I don't want to be stopped. He has tons kids, ten kids or something. Stop. Yeah. Fucking right now. And we'll get into those kids. We'll get into those family dynamics. Go. Do you know anything about his family dynamics? I know nothing about his family dynamics. Alright, so, Martin Cahill, he's born in a slum district, which I just disagree with immediately. Slum A slum district. district. Who called it a slum district? Link, Wikipedia. Of course it is. Uh, of Greenville Street in Dublin's North Inner C- City. Greenville. He's the second of 12 children uh, of Patrick Cahill, a lighthouse keeper. What? Yeah. And Agnes Sheehan. Which she doesn't have any, like, job. Because she was having 12 fucking kids. Yeah. Do you have time? In, like, and so Greenfield Street is flats. He's born in the flats. Oh, he's born in the flats, okay. Right. Um, by the time he was in school, Martin and his older brother, John, were stealing food to supplement the family's income. Oh, I have to tell a story and it's really, it's to do with the family holiday. So, uh, I was asking my mom, prying, like, why, why was granddad in London? Why was granddad in England? Her, her dad was in England and her and her mom like weren't together. Yeah. And I was like, why were, why was granddad in England? And she was like, oh, he just had to go. And I was like, why do you have to go? And she was like, well, he had a warrant out for his arrest. Fuck off. And then, because she was drunk, I was like, what? what I was like, what do you do? And she was like, he was stealing food for the family. I was like, fuck off, ma. <laughs> now, Caroline. Fuck up. And my dad was like, started to laugh at me. And she was like, oh, he had a bit of a name. And apparently he used to, like, he used to be, he'd be out stealing all the time. But like. No, not food. Oh, okay. All right, I thought maybe Fucking we were getting, food. we were getting a genuine Apparently story. his brother was like, 
the equivalent of like a millionaire because he'd started his own business. Um, so he wasn't stealing food or nothing like it. And he was sent to England because he had to get shit together. And, and there was a warrant out for his arrest. And then he joined the army and then he became a crane driver. We did get his shit together. Yeah, yeah. But like still, I just think it's funny. Class. And my mum was like that. Um, my nanny Costello, who was my grandmother's mother, used to be like, don't be with that Maguire boy. Uh, is this okay to be on the podcast? Yeah. Will any of your family get mad that we've told that your father is a... My grandfather. Your grandfather is He's a delinquent. Garda. Wanted by the Garda. And had to go on the run. No. On the lamb. On the lamb. Good man. Um, good man, Gandhi. Good man, Gandhi. Anyway, that's the deal. Patrick Cahill is a lighthouse keeper. Agnes Sheehan, she's knocking out 12 kids. Fuck me, Agnes. Her fanny is hanging off. Uh, she whistles when the wind blows. <laughs> <laughs> Sausage of a That's my favourite description. <laughs> By the time he's in school, Martin and his older brother, John, were stealing food to supplement the family's income. In 1960, the family was moved to Captain's Road, Crumlin. So, like, my family were all moved out of the flats into, like, Dublin, Crumlin. And my grandfather, who we just spoke about being on the lamb, he's from, like, uh, Crumlin. And my grandmother is from Drimna. Drimna, And they were all moved out of, like, tenement housing and flats from the inner city out to, like, these, like, suburbs, like Ballyferma, um, in the 50s and 60s. I was meant to, when I worked in River Island, I was looking at because I only moved like properly to the city and I was looking to anything I, I'd never heard of Germany before and uh, I was in the canteen and I was talking to the girls about where I was looking and I was like oh I was going to look at an apartment in Drimna and just as I said that a girl from Drimna walked in she was like did you hear about that lad that was stabbed outside with a Abercrombie screwdriver Abercrombie? in fucking Drimna last night and I was like alright well yeah that's what it's do you know what the is like Drimna now rent's expensive Drimna's it's like nice. town um, but it still has problems anyway Families moved to Captain's Road, Crumlin, as part of the Dublin slum clearances. These are not policies, and link and Wikipedia has made these up. <laughs> there was literally slum. policies to like clear these. Like, do they know what a slum is? No, I don't think. so. I don't think they do. Martin was sent to the Christian Brothers School on the oh, same road where he lived, go. but was soon playing truant and committed frequent burglaries in with his brothers. At fifteen, he attempted to join the Royal Navy, but was rejected. Allegedly after offering to break into houses for them. So he was like, uh, in the like interview process, was like making friends with people. I'll rob, like, for you. I'll rob houses for you and like get what you want. Oh, man. So he's rejected because he had, and then also because he had a criminal record. <laughs> also all the crime. <laughs> and also because he's a thief. At age 16, he's convicted of two burglaries and is sentenced to go to an industrial school run by the oblities of Mary Immaculate uh, at Dangan, yeah, Dangan County Offaly. After his release, he meets and marries Francis Law Francis Lawless, a girl from Ratmines, where his family's living. I did put a piece in here. Cahill was married to Francis Lawless, with whom he fathered five children. Wow. However, Martin Cahill, with Francis's approval, had a second partner, Tina Lawless. That's her sister. With whom it is believed, and it's not believed, it's now proved, he has four children with. They had a, poly, a polyamorous or polygamous domestic arrangement, and it is depicted in the bio, biopic about Cahill's life, the general. Like, so they moved fine, into right? a family home. Polyamory is fine. Yeah. With your sister. sister. Mm. So your cousins are siblings? So he has ten children, I believe. Nine or ten children, and they're all... Their cousins and siblings. 
Everybody needs to go to therapy. And they all live together as well? No. Absolutely not. Goodbye. With his brothers, he continued to commit multiple burglaries in the affluent neighbourhoods nearby, one point even robbing the Garda Shiacana depot from its for its confiscated firearms. <laughs> so they, like, they broke into they the... give a fuck. No. The Cahill brothers soon turned to armed robbery, and by the early 1970s, Garda at the Dublin Central Detective Unit had identified the Cahill brothers as major criminals when they teamed up with notorious Dunn gang in Crumlin to rob security vans conveying caches from banks. So like GSLS and Brinks and all them, they used to essentially stake them out and then they'd break them. And the thing about him as a burglar, like don't get me wrong, he broke into people's houses in the very beginning, but as he like moved up, it was all like big jobs. And then he kind of like stopped robbing like people because he was like, they're people to a degree. It's kind of played out in the movie that way. But to be honest, there are tons of things that Martin Cahill does that are just awful. Yeah. And he wasn't a nice person. It's not, it's not, it's kind of pointless trying to redeem this to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but awful lot of the stuff he was like stealing, he used to have this argument that it would be insured and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Anyhow. Um, in 1978, the Dublin Corporation began preparing demolishing Holyfield, be- Holyfield buildings, which is where he lives. Cahill was then serving a four-year suspended prison sentence, fought through the courts to prevent his neighbourhood's destruction, and even after the tenements were demolished, and this is in the movie and it's true, he pitched like a tent on site and lived in it. Now, he didn't do this for any other reason than he had, like, wanted a bigger house off the council. So he was like, I'm not leaving my family home and they want to knock this down. And what they were doing was selling it to like private land. Yeah. So he lived like in a tent and stopped the demolition. He stopped people moving out. He lived in squalor. Like the scene in the general is literally like John Voight's character who plays the like, um, the guarded who <laughs> yeah. like spent all of his life trying to convict Martin Cahill for his crimes. Uh, like being like, oh, you're all right in there. And he was like, well, I'm not fucking leaving. And the, the, it got to the point where like the the mayor came down to like meet Martin Cahill, like a well-known criminal to be like, would you please move? So it's kind of like, it's almost becoming a uh, Robin Hood type story. Absolutely. Yeah. He has like this mythology within yeah. Irish like crime. He continued to live in a pitch tent on site. Finally, Ben Briscoe, the Lord Mayor of Dublin, pays a visit to his tent to persuade him to move into a new house in a more upscale and affluent area paid by the Irish government in Ratmines. Fuck. So he gets like a council house in Ratmines. Okay, that's kind of genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he stops this massive... Like, he's not dumb. He And he doesn't come across as dumb. He's no, smart. That's, that's incredibly calculated. Um, he's smart. really clever. And he, he knew, gets this now. Like, he's got big, exactly what he wanted. Like, he ends up... The house he ends up living in, which I think he ends up buying, the back of his property, which is, like, 24-hour under surveillance by the garden, belongs to, like, the guy who owns Sisk. You know, the building yeah. company in Ireland? Jesus. Like, that's how... In the area he ends up living. Fuck, man. Um... So, he gets moved into an upscale area uh, paid for by the Irish government. That is mad. So the next thing that Cahill <clears throat> goes after, Cahill and his gang then decide to like up their like game, right? So they decide to steal gold and diamonds. It has a value of over two million pound uh, punts, uh, which is like 2.55 million euro. Um, it, but at the time but then in today's value is worth about 6.35 million in 2021 wow 
um, from O'Connor's Jewellery in Harold's Cross. Cal's gang identified a weak point in O'Connor's security system as they forced their way into a boiler room, which was con- not connected to the alarm system. They then waited overnight, and when the staff arrived, they pounced and forced them to open the safes. O'Connor was dramatically underinsured, and it forced them to rec- it forced them to reorganize and reconcile with losses of over a hundred jobs. Oh, fuck. The jewellery was subsequently was forced to close due to being underinsured. At this point, he's kind of like the Robin Hood. Yep. But as time goes on, like a hundred people lost their job in Harold's Cross. It starts Cross, to kind of change. They're like, you're really affecting like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the average every day. Now, to, absolutely. But the like guy who owned the business underinsured. Yeah, purposely. what the fuck was he doing? Like, that's ridiculous. Um, where was, sorry, where was the shop in Harold's Cross? So he thought that it's perfectly fine for him to underinsure his jewellery store in fucking Harold's Cross. It's not even just a jewellery store. Like, they they made jewellery. Oh, so gosh. they had gold bullyards. bullyards yeah. They had gold bullyards in the back of the store. And that's what, like... You didn't think, man, I should fucking insure this. No, and that's the other thing about the gold bullyards is they're untraceable. Like, you can't trace oh. gold bullyards because you just melt them down. So he fucking um, shot himself in the so foot, So he basically. absolutely shot himself in the foot. Whereas, like, jewellery is, like, hallmarked and yeah, you can put yeah, out yeah. like it, but, like, gold, you can't you do can't anything do about it. Um, the jeweller subsequently closed. He was... Da, 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 da. Um, the other thing... There's this thing that pops up in everything I read about Martin Cole, but I cannot find anything about it. What is it? It's that he was extorting hot dog vendors and restaurateurs around Dublin's nightclub district. I don't know a single hot dog... I have never heard of a hot dog vendor. A hot dog vendor. The only thing I could think of... (laughs) The only thing I could think of is like... When I first started going out... When you'd come out of like... Fucking Pulse nightclub or whatever... There would be like a hot dog vendor on the corner. Oh, there used to be one on the fucking... On the Londis. You know, when you were going over the bridge. From... Yeah, and there used to... The other one is there used to be one near... um, The Dandelion... And yeah, I have never, yeah, yeah. so I don't know if they're gone because Martin Cahill was excited. got rid of them. But I can find no information about this. There like, used to be a kebab one uh, on the keys. Yeah. So apparently to... he like was extorting all of these, but I can find no information about who he was extorting, how he was doing it. It's not in the movie. It's not in the books. It's not in anything. Anyway. Um, so he was involved in stealing some of the world's most valuable paintings uh, from Rossborough House and extorting restaurants and hot dog vendors in Dublin <laughs> nightclub district. Uh, Cahill had identified paintings of extremely high value at Rossborough House in 1986. This I love. So what he was doing was he was going to this gallery every day and he was just caging at the joint and he was going every day. And did they cop it? No. No, they didn't. And how he... St- what they did to steal is so clever so um, a privately owned stately home in County Wicklow he and his gang carried out a heist of 18 paintings 18 paintings were taken including Jan Vermeer's The Letter Writer which now hangs in the Irish National Gallery as one of its most prized possessions when Cahill stole the painting it was one of only two Vermeers privately owned in the world it is the most expensive painting in the National Gallery for yeah. 25 million yeah the other was the collect was was in the collection of Queen Elizabeth in Britain. So he stole the other painting. Other works included a Goya, two Rubens, two M- Matisse, Matisse, yeah, uh, two Gainsborough, 
Uh, Anna Gainsborough meant the hall was worth close to 100 million Irish pounds at the time. Jesus. It is considered the second largest art heist of all time. I didn't think it was that much. Mm. Cahill and his gang were unable to sell them. Now, this is part of the reason why his downfall <laughs> came. Sell them to- um, so what he did was he used to go to this gallery constantly and he was watching. So he caged out the joint. He There was a live-in security guard. They arrived on the premises late at night. They broke in, let the alarm go off, right. hid, and as they were like letting the alarm go off, they covered the main sensor to the window they'd broken into, but like closed it down yeah. with sellotape so that the sensor wouldn't work when they opened it again. Oh, that's incredibly smart. Waited for the guards to come. The <coughs> living security guard was like, it must be a false alarm. The, the guards, guard walked around, looked, and saw looked, nothing. Left. These were all hiding. Then they left and they just like took everything in the dead of night. That's mad. Um, that poor security guard. Imagine yeah, I know. waking up and he day. lived in the house as well. Shippled. So, um, Cahill and his gang were unable to sell the valuable paintings due to the notoriety of the theft, which made headlines. Also, like, the Guardi were so ridiculously stupid. Like, the Guardi didn't, like, Martin Cahill at this point is being like, the guards have him under 24 yeah. hour surveillance. And they didn't see him go to a fucking gallery. And, and they things. started, they're like, this is like the, the work of an international art No, it's not. It's the work of a man from fucking drummer. It's like, so Canada. ridiculous. Also, it does make me laugh though, because who did they think they were going to sell I to? know. Like, <laughs> it's like taking the Mona Lisa and being like, I'm just going to go down the road there and yeah. try and sell that. Like, what the fuck? Um, and then like, Martin Cahill was doing like really, like, he honestly was just antagonizing the guards. Um, so the, he ha- he was under 24 hour surveillance but like the stories are like that he would like drive the guards up to like the Wicklow Mountains because right. they were following him and then he'd drive and drive and drive until his car was out of diesel so he knew their car was out of diesel and then he'd take out like a jerry can fill his car and leave them in the in the mountains and drive off he didn't give a fuck no and then he did this thing where he got everybody to wear masks so all, everybody went into his house and then they all came out dressed exactly the same as him and they all had masks on. Oh my and gosh. the guards were like, what the fuck? Um, he then would like distract the guards that were like watching him and he'd have his like gang go around and slash all the cars, uh, all the like tires. tires. So like then he'd just drive off. Um, he, at one point he went and got all of his gang to go and like dig up all the golf courses that the guards played in or any golf course where like you could get a, like cheaper garden yeah yeah discount a discount um, so that the guards that were like surveilling him couldn't go play golf at the weekend and he'd be like did you enjoy your golf at the weekend Jerry like he knew like I'd say you must have to have zero fear or respect of there's tons of like video footage of so like Martin Cahill during all of this time the Irish media know that he is the one that stole stolen the gold yeah they're aware He's still collecting the social welfare. I know, I remember he's still collecting And there's the like welfare, footage yeah. of him collecting social... And he used to do that thing, right, where he covered his face or he wore, wore a balaclava. Yeah. But it's really odd because I think, like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, if he hadn't have never done that thing of, like, covering his face... Like, because like, the journalists would come up to him and be like, Martin Cahill, and he'd be like, who? But he'd be like but he this. had a fucking balaclava was covering yeah, his face. Yeah, and he'd be like, who's Martin Cahill? <laughs> and he'd be like, is that your man? Your man that's stealing all the stuff and giving it back to the poor? <laughs> But he'd do this, like, thing outside the social welfare office and then at the end, on the, like, within two hours, like, he'd do, like, a two-hour, like, what? And then he'd be like, uh, there's the some, 
the journalists would say something like disparaging about Martin Cahill and he'd be like, yeah, I'm fucking Martin Cahill and I'm the man and like, I own this place. See, and so that's the thing, like as smart as he was, he was also like, like any criminal, they have a massive ego, ego. and it completely envelops them eventually. Like, Yeah, and parents. then he used to go to court. So he'd go to court and famously he'd go to court in like a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Yeah. But there's like a really famous picture of him where he used to like, he'd pull his trousers down, he'd have Mickey Mouse boxers on Jesus and he'd be outside like the four courts, but he'd have his face covered. So I'd be like, this level of so an and non and you, you don't have you anonymity because you're creating by you trying to hide yourself, you're making it more like visual as to who you are. Exactly, you mad bastard, Martin. Um, I don't want to talk to you. That's famous. <laughs> I always say that to you. Yeah, I don't want to talk Dog to you. you. And I cover my hand over my face. <laughs> Um, so he used to do that outside as well if he was queuing for his goal, and he didn't. He'd put his hand over his face and he'd be like, "I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you." I don't want, and he'd do that like over and over again until the journalist would just fuck off. Um, and then they'd be like, we know you've got all this money. And he'd be like, I'm on the dough. I don't have any money. I'm on the scratcher. So like he was really, anyway. Jesus. So Cahal and his gang were unable to sell the valuable paintings due to the notoriety of the theft, which made, which made headlines around, around the world. Though some were quickly recovered, many lay hidden in the Dublin mountains for many months and years, and some of them were like badly damaged, damaged. because they were left out in the open. Yeah. Um, the robbery proved to be an ill-advised move, and all but two of the paintings were recovered. Two Venetian scenes created by Gordi. Gordi, what am I pronouncing that correct? Let me see how you saw it. Let me sure. Ah, uh, Gordi. Uh, which were which would be worth many millions today that have never been recovered. Oh, God. They are suspected to be still hidden in the mountains. Um, we're going to do what that man did. <laughs> I was just about to say. And we're going to search for the Gordy paintings and we're going to be millionaires. We're going to be like Bobby. Bobbit. Also, you know that tre- a treasure was found? Someone found a treasure? Yeah. Bobby uh, cut his toe cut off. We, we, got a, we got a message on Patreon from a girl who gave us information. Yeah. Uh... They're suspected to be still in the Dublin Mountains with only Martin Cahill knowing their whereabouts. After the crime, Cahill developed something of a mystical status in Irish culture, with some seeking him as folk hero, the poor Dublin native taking on the authorities. He was identifiable to many for covering his face with his hand and the media named him the General to avoid libel issues. That's the only thing he used to sue the media. (laughs) So he, like, he didn't come up with this name himself. He didn't have, like, he wasn't like, I'm the general. He was like, and like, the fam, his family, like, maintained that. See, it's odd. You know that terrible movie with Kevin Spacey in it? Oh, it's so bad. Something Ordinary Criminal? Yeah. Yes. Which is Everyday based, ordinary criminal or something which like is that, based yeah. on Martin Cahill's life. Yeah. It's so odd because they do things where they change the description of, like, the pictures that were stolen. Um, and the whole reason they did it was to not be sued for libel for Martin Cahill's family. But the general came out before that film. Yeah. And, why didn't and they, they were him? like, this is an autobiography of Martin Cahill. I don't know. So, um, but time was running out for Martin Cahill and his Robin Hood reputation. A 1988 television special named him as the main man responsible for car bombing of oh. Ireland's chief forensic scientist, which left him lame and also publicly linked him with the 1983 jewellery robbery which, robbery, which had been resulted in the loss of a hundred jobs. Oh, no. In 1998, a movie, The General, was released, released about the nefarious life of Dublin crime boss Martin Cahill. Jim didn't appreciate any notoriety for Cahill and refused this, this jeweller. Yeah. 
the, sorry, I put this in a funny way. He, like, hated Martin Cahill. Because he lost his business, yeah. right? He didn't appreciate any notoriety for Cahill and refused when asked if O'Connor's jewellery could be used in, in the, the movie. movie. Um, and on he says publicly that when it came over the radio that Martin Cahill had been killed, that he smiled to himself. Well, I mean, I get it. So, the art robberies. Portions of the Rossborough collection have been stolen four times. So this house, with all of this art... Four times. ...have been broken in four times. These include tests in 1974 by the IRA gang, including British heiress Ross Dugdale in 1986, or including British heiresses Ross Dugdale, and in 1986 by Martin Cahill, nicknamed General, and in 2002 by Martin Cahill's associate Martin Foley. Two paintings, the Gainsborough Madame Baselli and Vermeer Lady writing a letter with her maid... The latter, probably the most valuable painting of the collection, were stolen twice across the tests. Uh, they need to get rid of this in-house <laughs> fucking security guard because he doesn't know what he's doing. Although each was subsequently recovered, the latter in 1993 and the same year as the recovery of Goya's portrait of Donna Antonia Zarat. Fearing the increasing role that forensic science played... Yeah. In detecting robberies, in May 1982, Cahill had a bomb placed under the cart of the chief forensic scientist, James O'Donovan. That's scumbag behaviour. Partly disabling him. That's scumbag behaviour. In February 1988, today, I've said this already. Yeah, sorry, I'm repeating myself. Um, So he started to like very much, he started to appear more in the media. Journalists started to show up outside his house. Um, He was being followed 24-7 by the guards. As a result, the Guardi set up a special surveillance unit called the SSU, nicknamed Tango Squad. <laughs> They're fucking useless. To specifically target and monitor Cahill's gang on a permanent 24-7 basis. Cahill was given a call sign Tango 1, and the SSU also placed a direct presence on the estate at Coper Downs, which is where he's from. Yep. Positioning a surveillance unit in the home of developer John Sisk, ah. whose house backed onto Cahill's. I'm sure John Sisk was delighted. Oh, well, John Sisk, like, Martin Cahill, obviously, like, he let the guards in. He was disgusted that Martin Cahill was living behind him. And Martin Cahill used to be like, you're nothing but a fucking dirty rat, John, (laughs) like, over the fence and all. Because Martin Cahill had pigeons and all out his back. So he was a real, like, inner city dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd be at the back with, like, his um, pigeons. The only thing is that the guards let ferrets loose in his pigeons. What? To kill all his pigeons as well. Because he was like the stuff I've said about like digging up things, about like threatening guards, about like damaging their cars, about leaving them stuck in the mountains. He was doing all that to them. Like he was like provoking them. Yeah. So that like there is stories of like the guards like letting things happen to his kids and not protecting like his family in any way, shape, or form from anything. So if they went to the guards about anything, they were like whatever. Yeah, whatever. You're a scumbag. Like um. There, like, and there are stories of his son going out like. to like the pigeon house and the pigeons just being dead because okay of, that's fucking horrible and, and Martin Cahill being in the shed with his son and being like don't let them see you cry that's unnecessary Um. so John Sisks whose house backed onto Cahill's following the arrest of two of Cahill's associates in an attempted robbery and a resentful and resentful of the large guard presence near his home Callahan retali- retaliated by ordering his men to slash the tires of 197 cars on the night of 26th of February 1988, including 90 belonging to his neighbours in, in Honestry. What? 
because they kind of were letting the guards in and out and like were they were kind of involved in like the guards surveilling him. Yeah. Cahill returned home to find that his own Mercedes Benz had been smashed, so the guards then smashed up his car on the same night. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In early nineteen ninety three, John the coach trainer met his boss Cahill to provide him with inside information about the inner workings of the National Irish Bank. This is probably Oof. the most prolific um of the National Irish Bank head office and the branch of College Green Dublin. Trainer told Cahill that the bank regularly held more than ten million in cash in the building. The plan was to abduct NIB CEO Jim Lacey, his wife and four children, and take them to an isolated hiding place. They there they would be held with a fellow gang member, Jojo Cavanaugh, acting also as a hostage, who would frighten Lacey into handing over every penny in the store. An inside man. Yeah, and stored in the bank's vaults. On the 1st of November 1993, Cahill's gang seized Lacey and his wife outside his home in Blackrock. Whilst they were held at Lacey's home, Cavanaugh was brought in and tied up, telling the family that he had been abducted two weeks before, on the 2nd of November. Cavanaugh then drove Lacey to College Green to collect the ransom money, with Lacey eventually withdrawing 300,000 Irish pounds from an accessible cash machine. After the cash had been handed over, to the gang, Cavanaugh told the guard that the pair had been kidnapped and forced to take part in the robbery. With, rans- with a ransom note requesting a payment of £10 million in cash, the guardy began investigating and quickly found that Cavanaugh had claimed child allowance during his two weeks. Oh my, <laughs> I can't even... During his two weeks in inverted oh, commas bra- <laughs> capture. You fucking thick. And so arrested him. Cahill then planned with Cavanaugh to raid Cavanaugh's home and show intent to kill the Lacey family by shooting Cavanaugh in the leg. Cavanaugh was then to call the Irish newspaper from the, his hospital bed and claim he was a victim of the Lacey kidnapping gang. These people are insane. Insane. Uh, like that, there's a scene in the movie where he's like, I have to shoot you in the leg. This is nuts. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. However, the plan failed and the gang were arrested. <laughs> Shocker. With all the gang members from the Lacey kidnapping released on bail... On the 18th of August, 1994, Cahill left his house at which he'd been staying at Swan Grove and began driving to a local shop. He didn't, actually, this is incorrect. He didn't drive to a local shop. He was driving from a video, like, rental place and he dropped back (laughs) a Delta Force. Remember that movie? (laughs) Uh, Delta Force. This man's life is insane. And he's out renting movies. Yeah. In the middle of the day. This is just nuts. Upon reaching a road junction where Oxford Road meets in Charleston Road, sorry, that is just like useless information. <laughs> like, like, just going, mm, yeah, I know that. Like, that's like, I, I was talking to my, my manager on her holidays. She was telling Graham a story, and I just said to her, he doesn't care about any of that. Just get to the point. He was repeatedly shot in the face and upper torso, and he died almost instantly. Shit. The gunman who was armed with a three five seven Magnum revolver jumped on a mo- motorbike and disappeared from the scene. Now, Martin Cahill had 24-7 surveillance. He's just going to say where were the guards? They were not there. There was no guard around when he was shot and he was not being followed. Not a single guard? No. And he hadn't done anything to like get rid of them. He hadn't like, he'd just gone and dropped back like a video to a video rental shop. Okay. There is a number of theories about who killed Martin Cahill and why. Within hours of Cahill's death, the provisional IRA 
the Republican Army, uh, claimed responsibility in her press release. The reasons cited were Cahill's alleged involvement with a ported-down unit of the Ulster Volunteer Force. The unit in question had very recently attempted a bomb attack on a South Dublin pub that was hosting a Sinn Féin fundraiser on the 21st of May 1994. The UVF operatives were halted by the doorman Martin Doherty and an ensuing struggle with Doherty, who the IRA subsequently announced was a volunteer in their Dublin brigade, was shot dead. Okay. The IRA further alleged that Cahill had been involved in selling the stolen Vermeer painting to the UVF Mid-Ulster Brigade, led by Billy Billy Wright, alias the King Rat. The Mid-Ulster Brigade then fenced the paintings for money, which they used to fund arms trafficking from South Africa, under apartheid. This act allegedly sealed Cahill's fate. So that this is like probably the best theory that did that, happen. That did happen, yeah. And put him on top of the IRA hit list. In a later statement, the IRA said that it was Cahill's involvement with the assistance to pro-British death squads, which forced the forced us to act. The other thing is that Martin Cahill, at certain points throughout like his like notorious criminal activity, always refused to be involved in drugs. Okay. And the IRA at that time in the 1980s and into the early 1990s, like controlled all, all of the drugs. drugs in the South. Yeah. Because that's where they got all their money for arms. Yeah. And um, there was a whole theory that they came to him to be involved in like a hashish thing. And, and he, he was like, it. no. And that that was like the first strike. And then the second strike was that he went to... So the UVF were like... The UVF poached him apparently for the painting. And he was like, I have to make some money off this. So he sold it to them. They got arms yeah. in South Africa. Okay. And then the IRA were like, right, that's it. Another theory surfaced after the publication of Paul Williams the General which claims to have insights from the Garda investigators who were still looking into Cahill's murder. Reputably, two of Cahill's underlings, John Gilligan and John Trainer. So John Gilligan is... The man who murdered Verona Kinker. Exactly. And John Trainer had put together a massive hashish trafficking ring while play, paying protection money to the IRA and the INLA. When Cahill allegedly tried to also extort the protection money from them... The Garda believed that Trainer and Gilligan approached the IRA and accused Cahill of importing heroin. So they were like, he won't... He won't do this with us, but now he's importing heroin. Yeah, he was like, he won't do this with you, but he's doing it himself and making all the money for himself. Um, A drug that the IRA despised, apparently, even though they were bringing it into the country. And were trying to prevent from being sold in Dublin. Not true. Reputably, this and Cahill's past dealings with the Ulster Loyalists gave the provisional IRA reason to order his assassination. A further incentive was provided by Gilligan and Trainer when the provisionals allegedly charged a considerable sum in exchange for Cahill's assassination. Francis Cahill's memoir, Martin Cahill, My Father, alleges the general detested and stared clear of all drug trafficking and had nothing to mm-hmm. do with it. Martin Cahill was buried five days after in consecrated, in consecrated ground in Mount Jerome. In 2001, his gravestone was vandalised and broken into two. When um, he was being lowered into the ground, his family sang Que Sera. Really? Yeah, so like he was being put into the grave and his family were like, Que Sera, Sera. Is that Sister Wives? Yeah, Sister Wives. Yeah. Whatever will be, will be. His penis has been in me. Has its been in you. <laughs> I truly hope 
They sang that as that man's body was lowered into the ground. That, that was not rehearsed. And their kids were just up. like, <laughs> what's going on? What's going on with Uncle Daddy? What's going on with Uncle Daddy? After a Roman Catholic requiem mass, Martin Cahill was buried in Mount Jerome Cemetery. In 1988, that Cahill was sent... Oh yeah, yeah, this is just really interesting. So Cahill was sent to Spike Island in 1988. And anybody who doesn't know, Spike Island is like a notorious jail in Cork that was shut down for being inhumane. Yeah. Uh, the Irish police were following a tactic empl- employed against other infamous criminal international criminals like Al Capone. Oh. Uh, and arrested their mark for any law breaking they could prove. So they were like, anything. anything. We're going to like... He ran a red light. He's going to the fucking exactly. island. Exactly. He was like arrested for breaching the peace. Like, which, like, like, you can only get like two to four months. Yeah. It was considered too dangerous for Cahill to be held in a Dublin prison. So that Dublin prison, so that holds merit that the piece that like John Trainer and, and uh, John Gilligan may be true. Yes. Um, it was considered too dangerous to be held in Dublin prison. So he was sent to Cork Harbour, which also had the added benefit of making it more difficult for him to organise his gang. His only words to waiting reporters on the pier and cove as he was taken into the island were, Que sera, sera. Oh, and that's why they sang it. They must have been his song. By all accounts, Cahill was peaceful and respectful during his time on the island, keeping out of sight, not drawing attention to himself. He was engaged in activities of the period like school, some light working, like painting, plastering, gardening, gardening and other work. But like, by all, I just thought it was an interesting fact. His He's got some funny quotes that are just notable. So he once made a quote to like a journalist outside of Dole office where he was like, reform school was my primary school. St. Patrick's inter- in- institution was my secondary school. And Mountjoy was my university. They taught me everything I know. And then he had this other quote where it was like, whatever it is you say I am, I am not. Whatever it is you want from me, I will Whatever it is you want from me, I will give. Whatever it is you take from me, you can take. What it? What is it you can do to me? The worst thing you can do is kill me. After that, I won't care and I'm still free. Jesus. Yeah. And that's right, the story Martin, of Martin Cahill. That was excellent. Thanks. It's also crazy to think that like... Um, it did go from that like Robin Hood story to people being like, oh... This guy's a murderer. Really, you can't really not like, be a kind of Robin Hood person because you will get to a point where you're going to have to start doing really bad things to keep up the level of what you, you want. What you want. Oh, Colin's computer in this. Um, but that was really good, Sarah. Thanks. Thank you for telling me that story. I saw the movie once. I don't fully, I like when you were saying stuff, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that part. I remember that part. Sister Wife's part I'd forgotten about until you said Oh, the other thing is that when he was, in, like, so at the funeral, yeah. that like guarded that John Voight character he went to his funeral to pay his respects fuck off yeah so they had this real like weird relationship but also like when Martin Cahill Martin Cahill would use him as an alibi oh so he would like like in particular he robbed a bank he robbed a bank he robbed the Bank of Ireland right and a meet like the cop shop was across the road so as the, like, he started it and, like, set it all up. And then as it was being robbed, he went over to the guard station and asked for your guy and sat in the room with him. And he was like, oh, I just, you know, want to talk. And he was like, I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to tell you everything. And so the guy came in the room and then he was like, ah, oh, actually, forget about it. <laughs> like, like, four hours later, was like, forget about it. And then when they came out, the, like, fucking bank across the road had been, and he was like, you dirty. Th-. And he was like, I've been with you this whole time. Um, 
Jesus. So it is real, like, cat-mouse relationship. But it must have been a thing as well for the guards. Like, I'm sure part of them enjoyed this entire thing. Well, when he came out, the, the journalists outside were like, have you got anything to say? And he was like, he was an evil fucker, is what he said. Wow. Um... But then there was, like, women outside. Like, so there's like, the public went to his funeral. Like, he was, like, this big character. Yeah. The public went to his funeral and there was, like, ah, sure, he was a good lad. Like, and he gave us all a few, Bob. And he'd come down and, like, the people in the flats where he was from where he fought for, like, it not to be knocked yeah. down were, like, he's a saint. Yeah, um, and I get that. I do get that. But, like, putting a car bomb under a forensic um, pathologist's car and leaving him disabled is scumbag scum. behavior. Yeah. Like, that man is just doing his job. Like, that man can save lives by figuring out who has murdered somebody or who raped somebody and you're putting a fucking bomb under Mm -hmm. his car because you want to steal paintings that you cannot sell, sir, because they're the most famous paintings in the world. Yeah. Anyway, excellent job. Thanks very much. Excellent job. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back. We're here. We're queer. We don't want any more bears. Um, we will be back next week with more fun times. We never said what happened in the like with the politicians. We just went down this rant of being like, the, like, oh, young yes. people are shit. That's what we went down. It's like capitalism is real. Wait, <laughs> because I don't know if everybody has seen this, but the, the politician from where I'm from, once again, where I'm from is a great place. Uh, his name is Robert Troy. Yes. And he got in a little bit of trouble a couple of weeks ago because he was telling fibs about what property he had. Um, and not paying the PRTB and not claim, not, uh, paying tax, paying tax on his properties. And basically he, he stood down like he had to hand in his resignation or whatever. But I was, um, I was laughing because I heard his name and I was like, that sounds so familiar. Uh, and he's from up, the, literally up the road from my mom's house, like five minute drive from my mom's house. So I texted my mom and I was like, mom, do you know Robert Troy? And she was like, yes, of course they do. And I was like, oh, he's in trouble. And she was like, <laughs> so <laughs> we've had this conversation before about the cure. Yes. Not the band, but people who can cure certain ailments that you have. It's a thing around the world. Um, and Sarah thinks it's insane, which I get. Um, I just think it's psychosomatic. <laughs> Sarah thinks it's nuts. But my mother was like, so I, my older sister's name is Yvonne. And she's the same, like literally the exact same age as him. And she was like, Robert Troy cured your sister's ringworm when she was a child. What is this, Emma? So I said, let's all cut Robert Troy a break. <laughs> he has a gift, a cure. <laughs> if I was him, I would totally just now be like Rob- Robert Troy. No, you made me uh, laugh because you were like, I hope he can cure being rolled up the hole. And <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but Robert Troy cures ringworm. Ringworm. Apparently. Now, How did allegedly, he do it? Did Yvonne remember? I can't remember. I, I was never even asked, but I remember when I got mine cured. Colin was like, why did you all have ringworm? I was like, because we were playing fucking fields with cows and horses and sheep and shit. Like, that's how we got ringworm. But I went to a lady. It's really difficult to get rid of. Yeah, I went to a lady in Westmeath and she put a little bit of oil on my arm and she rubbed her wedding ring over it and she said a prayer. I remember her. I have to leave. And I had to go twice to her. Yeah, because it didn't work the first time. And then I got... And then the second time, she gave you... No, medicine. she didn't. And then I got very kiss taken off my feet. And then somebody messaged me on, I believe, Patreon the other day about a girl who had warts. And she had to give her auntie, I believe, a pound coin. And her auntie took her warts off her. And she was like, a week later, I was cured. No! I, said, I believe you. I believe you. I believe... Hashtag I believe you. Hashtag I don't. Hashtag I believe in the cure. It's all in your head. But yeah, Robert Troy cures ringworm. Hashtag Robert Troy cures ringworm. Get it, get it, get a trend. Hashtag Robert Troy cures ringworm. Get a trend, lads. 
trend, 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 trend. Even though we've only got 12 followers. Um, But yes. Oh, my bra's killing me today. Is it? Is like it a wired bra? Yeah. Get that nonsense off you immediately. Like one of my bra, one of my I've been wearing a fucking sports bra for the last two days and it's amazing. Um, but everybody have a lovely week. Happy Christmas. Go eat some delicious food. Uh, don't listen to Enoch Burke. He's a fucking piece of shit. Um, and uh, I don't know anything else. Whatever you're doing. Have enjoy. Yeah, have enjoy. Have a good time. But yes, everybody go do your things. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, have a Say good goodbye. Week. Goodbye, everybody. Colin! Oh, the general.